Coming up on the Rami V podcast, it's been a minute since I recorded last, so we talked about what I've been up to in my career at the end. But before that, we talked about all the crazy storylines in the NBA in the offseason. One of the most fun times of the year is the NBA offseason. James Harden, Damian Lillard, the same names you know, always causing drama in this league. Hashtag this league, that is. We talked about all of it and a whole lot more. By the way, LeBron not retiring. Shocker there. All that coming up next on the Rami V podcast starts now. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours plus you can exchange unlimited text messages and everything you share is completely confidential so i talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything one of the things that i learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com slash rami that's my first name that's betterhelp b-e-t-t-e-r H-E-L-P dot com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami La V podcast, episode 157. It's actually been a minute since the last time we talked. Last time we talked was uh, that episode that I did, which was a career episode. I don't like doing this. I don't like taking long hiatuses from the podcast. Unfortunately, in my current situation, I can't talk about what the main topic is right now, which is baseball and New York baseball teams, which have been pretty bad. So I'm not complaining about that at all. Um, and I do want to talk about what I was busy with. I you know, working both jobs, moving. One thing that you don't realize, obviously, like that you don't take into account because yes, the hours that I'm working every week is a ton and it's significantly more than I was working uh, when I lived down in Maryland. But at the same time, you know, it's not that much more that it should affect my podcast to this, you know, to this point. Um, So obviously there's a few factors, but one of the main factors um, has been the commutes. And I'm starting to think like, maybe I should just bring my microphone in the car and do it that way. Because the amount of time I spend driving, I could have three podcasts a day uh, with the amount of time I spend driving. So, um, I do enjoy what I've been doing and I'll save that a little bit for the end of the podcast, because, you know, what's interesting is last episode, there was no sports talk, right? It was just straight. This is my career. This is what I've been trying to do is my focus for those of you who don't know how I got here, all those things. And I continue to get calls and texts, uh, messages on social media from people saying, Hey, you know, we want to hear more about how you got here, what you did your career. And so I think that, that, um, that episode played a role for sure. Like I think that people definitely wanted to hear it. Um, and the feedback was awesome from everyone, from people who knew what I was up to, people who didn't, people who are sports fans, people who are not, people who are doing average day-to-day jobs. 
And um, it really, the feedback means so much to me because it gave me a lot of motivation. So everyone who reached out to me about that episode in particular, um, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I appreciate everyone listening to every episode. So um, if you're still here after that episode, I appreciate you. If you're new because of that episode, I appreciate that too. Um, and, the, you know, the feedback hasn't slowed down or stopped. So I feel like people are still going back and listening to that. And I think that's something so cool for me. Um, and I, again, I, I can only be appreciative of everyone else. Um, so that's that. That's to recap last episode. This episode, though, we're going to talk about sports. Um, we're going to talk about some of the things that have gone on while I was out. Now, what is there really to talk about, right? If we're not going to talk about baseball, which, again, I can't really talk about it, but there's a team in New York right now that's irrelevant. The other team in New York right now might be worse. They're finding new ways to lose every night. Now, a couple months ago, the team that was finding new ways to lose was the Mets, and then they found so many ways to lose, they fell into irrelevancy. The Yankees now have turned into the Mets, and the Mets have turned into just a non-story. So there's my baseball talk. Shh, don't tell anyone. Um, it's actually funny. The first time uh, my bosses at MLB came to me, and they're like, hey, we heard you're talking uh, hockey on your podcast. Just keep it down. I said to them, I was like, hey, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Um, but they then told me, no, we just saw the podcast title on your social media or something. So I won't put in the title. I didn't talk about baseball, um, and apparently they're not listening. So uh can i technically do a full episode about baseball and title it that it's not about baseball theoretically yes um i guess i don't know maybe i'll get a meeting after this who knows um, i'm not going to do that that's you know i'm just an honest guy that's how i am um on wfan which we'll talk about a little bit later we'll talk about my career stuff a little bit later so if you're here for that if you thought this was going to be a continuation of last episode well you can scroll till the end i don't mind um, if you're not a huge sports fan, or you could listen to some of this, see if you like it, who knows, maybe I'll get you into sports or maybe you'll just enjoy the conversation. Even if you don't know what's going on, I've had people tell me, yeah, you just, you're kind of good at talking. So, um, I tell them I have a lot of practice. I talk a lot. If you meet me in person also, it's so interesting. I always kind of toe the line where I'm out. I'm trying to figure out, should I be talking so much? I'm not that interested in what the other people have to say sometimes. Sometimes I am. Like, I don't want to sound like a bad guy. Like, sometimes I genuinely do think that the other people I'm talking to have something interesting to share and I want to hear it. But also, I can talk for hours. I don't need to be provoked or anything. Everything reminds me of something. If I talk, I'll get to three stories away from just from one thing I said. I'll keep going and going and going. Like, right now, I mean, this is you know, I don't have any notes and I'm talking to myself. I'm staring at myself in a camera. I'm looking at, you know, waves, sound waves on a screen. I'm the lights in my eye are killing me from, you know, I'm trying to make more video content out of these podcasts. So yeah, I can talk. And so some people think that that's cool. Like you're actually good at it. So um, that's kind of why I want to do this, right? Why I want to do this for a career um, and all the other stuff that comes with it that I talked about on last episode. And I'll continue to talk about everything I've been up to since uh, last episode on this podcast at the end of the podcast. But I also want to talk, we had some NBA storylines as we always do in the summer. I always talk about this on this podcast. I've mentioned this a few times. I think last summer was probably my prime NBA content, summer content, because I talked about Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. I talked about Donovan Mitchell. Will he go to the Knicks? Won't he go to the Knicks? And some of my takes just aged so gracefully and so well. Um, that I can't complain. Like, I'm so happy with how that went. 
um, how that came out, specifically in talking about Donovan Mitchell. And I didn't think they should give up too much for him because I thought that they were building something and the slow build, they'll always be someone else. They'll always be the next guy. And all those things that I talked about uh, in regards to Donovan Mitchell ended up being true. Now, do I still wish the Knicks had Donovan Mitchell had that guy? Of course, they don't have that second star to go along with Jalen Brunson and what he's been able to do so far for the Knicks. I, I get that, but um, I think the way I put it when it comes to Donovan Mitchell and not giving up too much, I mean, especially after the Knicks and specifically those role players that they would have traded away to get Donovan Mitchell, dominated Donovan Mitchell in a playoff series when they beat Cleveland, I think that aged really well. Um, obviously, team building in general in the NBA is going to look a little bit different for two reasons. One, the new CBA. And the other reason is it's a copycat league. So when you look at a guy like Jimmy Butler and the team they built around him to make it to the finals, when you look at a guy like Nikola Jokic and even Jamal Murray and the team they built around him. So there's going to be different ways. Obviously, teams in a copycat league, which we say about every league, um, are going to try and emulate what the team that had the most success most recently did. Um, so that's what we're kind of seeing in the NBA. We're still seeing some of the superstars uh, and I always say this on the podcast, there are three seasons or four seasons. I don't know how you want to call it in the NBA. There's obviously there's the regular season. There's the postseason. I think three regular season, postseason and the offseason. And generally in the NBA, because the league is so much about the drama surrounding the game more than the game itself, sometimes the NBA offseason is way more exciting, exceeds the NBA regular season by far, definitely the first three months of the regular season, although the NBA is trying to do something and implement something this offseason that'll change that um, over the course of the regular season. So uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I talked about the team building and how it's kind of two stars and build around them and really invest in your role players and your team. Well, there's one team that's not doing that. They're still trying to build a big three, and that is the Phoenix Suns. So they go out and they trade for Bradley Beal. That's the first storyline we're going to talk about in the NBA and in the offseason that we've seen so far. Um, and what they've done, though, to build around. So they have Kevin Durant. They have Devin Booker, obviously. They trade Chris Paul, which we'll get to in a second. And then they bring in Bradley Beal. Now, Bradley Beal is an interesting player to me. Um, great scorer at times. Has always put up big numbers when he plays, which is a big you know, he misses a lot of games. That's one of the things about him. It's just going to be part of his career. He misses a lot of games. And when you look at that team as a whole, Kevin Durant is a guy who misses a lot of games. He's not getting any younger either. Um, but Bradley Beal, you always talk about teams that are kind of good players, bad team type of guys, guys who could put up big stats on bad teams. We're going to find out about Bradley Beal um, if he's one of those guys. Because as of now, we don't know the answer to that. He has not put up huge numbers on a good team that's actually won anything. Every team he's been on has been mediocre at best. He went, I think, to one playoff series um, where he actually had a great playoff run. I think they lost to the Celtics that year, something like that. Other than that, he hasn't had much team success, and this league is measured by team success. Now, granted, this is another guy that's going to be able to score It'll definitely take a load off of Durant, take a load off of Booker. We saw how much was on their plate um, in the playoffs, and specifically against Denver, where it was like they were being asked to combine for 70-plus points just with the two of them every night. Now you have a third guy that can share that load with you, but also what they put around those two, three 
and we'll still it, it remains to be seen what happens obviously with um with uh Aiton, right because ayton has been rumored to be traded for months now people have been talking this about this forever like when's Aiton going to be traded will he be traded all those things um but as far as the three guys that they have and the role players they finally brought in some role players who are willing to take the minimum deals just to ring chase this is not a new thing this is not something that's new but these veteran players who would rather take less money to try and get a championship and they look at phoenix and they look at kevin durant and they look at bradley beal and specifically devin booker because i think devin booker has blossomed into so much more especially in these last playoffs than just a scorer he's the team leader he's a point guard he's got that alpha in him um, to make those plays late in games, even if it's making a play for his teammate. People talk so much about losing Chris Paul. I think he learned so much from Chris Paul um, on how to be a point guard. So he's, he's really going to become the point guard of that team, um, Devin Booker is. And I think a lot of the veterans obviously saw that and said, hey, we'd like to go play there. We want to play with that team and see if we can win a championship. Bradley Beal, it's a huge, huge year for him. We'll see if he can stay healthy is number one because health is everything for this whole team and every team in the NBA. Can he stay healthy is number one. And the second thing, obviously, is is he a really great player or was it a guy who just got a ton of high volume shots because there wasn't a very good team around him and was able to score a lot? We know he's skilled in scoring. Um, and we'll talk a little bit in a second about the guy he got traded for. Is he more similar to that guy? Or is he more similar, not technically he didn't get traded for, but is he more similar to that guy? Or is he more similar to the superstar type player? Can he develop the way Devin Booker developed once he had a team with Chris Paul? Remember, Devin Booker wasn't this great. He was he was kind of that. He was a guy who put up a ton of numbers and a ton of points on a bad team. And then once Chris Paul showed up and the team developed and they built a team around them, he really turned into the great superstar that he is today. Um, we'll see if that happens for Bradley Beal. Now, Chris Paul, Chris Paul is out in Phoenix um he's not the same player he was but it's going to be interesting he's going to be in golden state with the warriors the question is can chris paul work in that offense i don't know the answer to that chris paul with steph curry that offense the way it works is no one holds the ball for a long time everyone's running around everyone's passing the ball constantly it's moving off balls off ball screens whereas chris paul has been so good at getting into the teeth of a defense with the dribble setting up his teammates with the dribble penetrating and kicking out getting to the rim, all these different things, the pick and roll game. It's really not what the Warriors style is. And that's going to be up to the players and Steve Kerr to try and figure out what is our style. Chris Paul is so good at manipulating a defense in one-on-one, -on -one, getting them to make mistakes, drawing fouls, stuff like that, that is not really the style of the Golden State Warriors, but can they figure out a hybrid offense? And the other thing that's so interesting about this, obviously Chris Paul is not the same player that he was. He's not going to play 40 minutes a night. If he comes off the bench for about 25 minutes a night, I don't know how they're going to use him. Are they going to start him? Are they going to have him come off the bench? But if he can come off the bench for 25 minutes a night and be effective and then kind of be the leader of the second unit. Remember, there was a guy who did that for the Warriors when they won their early championships. A guy who was kind of the second unit, was a good spark plug off the bench, kind of played that mid-range jumper game and played the pick and roll game. His name was Sean Livingston. He did that for the Warriors. That's kind of what he did. He wasn't knocking down threes the way Steph and Clay were in their primes. But he was so good off the bench as a primary ball handler and to kind of settle things down and run a kind of a different style and give the defense a different look uh, for those minutes that Steph and Clay were on the bench. And 
for Stephen Curry, this is so interesting because this is the first time he's going to be playing with a pure, pure point guard. Now, there aren't very many pure, pure point guards in the league anymore. I mean, after Chris Paul, what are you looking at? Tyrese Halliburton or something like that? Guys who are pass first, guys who are trying to set up their teammates, guys who are creating offense for everyone else more than for themselves. That's an interesting thing that we don't see often in the NBA anymore. Um, and I think with Steph Curry, he's always kind of been more of a shooting guard traditionally than a point guard, right? He's not that guy who's setting up the offense. He's a guy who's looking to score first, second, and third, um, and is so good off ball when he's coming off screens and he gets the ball to pick and pop or to catch and shoot all those things that he does with the ball in his hands without having to dribble and make plays for other people. That's where he's really special. And it's going to be interesting to see if Chris Paul can get even more out of Steph Curry. It's crazy to think, but Steph Curry is also not as young as he was anymore. So if you can take some pressure off of him where he's not bringing the ball up every time, he doesn't have to be that guy who's constantly controlling him. They've done that in the past with Draymond Green and obviously when Kevin Durant was there with Kevin Durant. But to have a guy who's a pass first, who's going to try and find the best look for everyone around him, and especially Steph Curry, a guy can become, you know, this is how he transitions into the later stage of his career, where he becomes more of an off-ball type shooter um, and still is the greatest shooter ever. I mean, this could extend Steph Curry's career beyond what it already is um, and really extend Chris Paul's career also, and it'll be interesting to see. Now, speaking of Draymond, they obviously chose Draymond Green over Jordan Poole. This is where I talked about Jordan Poole kind of be maybe being similar to Bradley Beal so far in his career. Um, it's giving a little bit too much credit to Jordan Poole. But listen, they chose the chemistry, the tradition, the everything, the pedigree that you talk about with Draymond Green. This is a guy who's won multiple championships with them. Obviously, Poole won one championship with them. Poole was a really good player for them. He's really young and he could still have a very great career, but obviously there was something wrong. You saw how many times in that playoff series you could see Steph like look away like, oh my God, what are we doing? Every time Poole shot the ball when he's taking 30 footers at the end of the game specifically and then causing them to lose, it was not great. It didn't look fun to be playing in that mess and it probably started because of Draymond Green but at the end of the day who are you going to choose you're going to choose the guy who has been there done that who has the pedigree who despite it all fighting with Kevin Durant you picked Draymond Green fighting with Jordan Poole you're going to pick Draymond Green again you're going to keep picking that guy obviously the Warriors plan is to keep this together and I know Bob Myers is not there anymore but the plan for the Warriors is to keep this group together and try and ride it out. Maybe that's why Bob Myers isn't there anymore. Bob Myers didn't want to be the guy to break up the Warriors. He didn't want to be the guy to break up this championship pedigree, which, by the way, in my opinion, is a dynasty. When you look at the championships they won, even though there was a break there, they won more championships. He maybe wanted to build for the next stage, for the future. Obviously, the Warriors decided to go in a different direction going with an older guy like Draymond over Poole, going with an older guy like Chris Paul to extend this current window. And they're probably saying, hey, we'll deal with whatever consequences come down the road of trying to extend this window down the road. We'll deal with that when we get there. As far as Jordan Poole, he's going to shoot the ball 25 times a game in Washington, and he's going to have some crazy games. He's going to probably have a month, maybe December. Maybe they even win the playoff tournament, the play-in, whatever it's called, the in-season tournament, which we'll get to. He's going to have some crazy games because that's what Jordan Poole does. He puts up a ton of points. He's a really, really good NBA scorer, but he's not going to win anything. He's going to be a good player on a bad team, kind of what Beal was there before him. But in December, when there's nothing to talk about on ESPN and they want to talk basketball, they're going to be like, hey, who won this trade? 
Chris Paul's hurt or Chris Paul's playing 22 minutes a game, not being that effective. And Jordan Poole, oh my God, he's putting up 30 points a game over his last six games. That's crazy. Yeah, he's going to be taking 25 shots a game. I'm not shocked. I can't wait for those headlines when people are talking about, wow, the Warriors really chose Draymond Green over this guy. Ha 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 ha. Great laugh. That's going to be funny, sure. But that team's not going to win more than 20 games next year. In fact, they're trying to they're trying to tank, right? They already traded Chris Stapp's Porzingis, which we'll get to in a minute. This team is not particularly good. He's going to have ample opportunity to take as many shots as he wants. Does that mean he's going to go off a few games? Sure. Does that make him good as a basketball player? Not really. Can he develop into a better basketball player over the course of his time there in his career? I'm sure he can. He's definitely got the skills and the talent to do it. The question is if he has the will and the head on his shoulders to do it. Um, because that's always been the question with him. Now, I mentioned Chris Stapps Porzingis. He gets traded to Boston. The first trade ended up getting vetoed, which actually helps the Boston Celtics. The reason it helps the Boston Celtics is because um, they would have had to give him a huge contract. They would have had to give Porzingis a long extension if that first deal went through. They didn't want to do that, obviously, for Porzingis, who's a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy. Look, I wanted KP to come back to the Knicks. I thought that would have been the perfect homecoming for him. Come back to the Knicks, a little bit more mature, understand a little bit more. You have a real point guard now in Jalen Brunson, a superstar in Jalen Brunson who could play alongside some shooters around you. I thought that would be awesome. His interior defense, his energy. I mean, think about it. This is so much more of a mellow guy. This is the guy kind of you expected coming out of the draft. It's kind of this mellow European guy. When he first came into the league, I was watching highlights from young Porzingis, and he's he's swatting the ball away. He's yelling. Remember, he has the block on one end, and then he comes down the other end and gets the dunk for the Knicks. Like, that rookie season, it was like, wait, what? This is the guy? This is who we drafted? Like, not a guy who's like this soft European player who's another Andrea Bargnani? Like, no, this is the guy we drafted. It's Chris Stapps Porzingis. This guy is awesome. He's got energy. He's got fire to him. We haven't seen that player, even in his recent resurgence. He's still been more of a finesse, kind of a quieter guy. It would be funny to see or interesting to see if a team like Boston or even like the Knicks, which I would have loved to have seen, can get that out of him, can get that that energy in the building, can get more out of him. Now, for the Boston Celtics, they obviously trade Marcus Smart as part of that trade. He goes to... Um, he goes to Memphis, which is going to be interesting. Look, that's good for the culture. It's a culture builder. I think he'll kind of be the older, more mature guy on that team, and he'll help out a guy like John Morant, I hope, right? That's what we can only hope. We know that Jaw's going to miss the first 25 games. Um, but obviously, this is a little bit of a reset culture-wise for the Celtics. They're trying something new. They're thinking, hey, this hasn't worked. We need to find a way to make Jalen and Jason work it hasn't gotten us where we want to get yet. We took a step back last year. Of course, it's everything that happened with the head coach, Ime Udoka, being out. And we still I still don't know what happened. Does anyone know what happened? I'm not sure. But obviously, the, there was kind of a downgrading coach. Missoula was not the same coach um, that Ime Udoka was. They get a bunch of assistant coaches to put around Joe Missoula to see if that can help situation uh, or the situation, I should say, and make things better in Boston. I don't know if it will or it won't, um, but they got to, you know, they got to maximize whatever they have left here with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And speaking of Jalen Brown has still not signed. I don't know what that means. You know, most of the guys who are eligible for their giant extension already signed it. And Jalen Brown is not one of the guys who signed the extension. 
is he waiting on something or is the team waiting on something is there another move does it have to do with dame what does it have to do with i'm not sure does it have to do with james harden which we'll get to in a second um i'm not sure but the thing is jalen brown this might be one last run and it makes sense why boston felt the pressure to you know actually get a different team around him to try and maximize whatever this last version of this run will be. Because if this is one last shot at it, one last shot at making a championship, if they're scared that Jalen Brown's going to want to walk after this year, even if he signs the extension, not, I shouldn't say even, especially if he signs the extension, because what's interesting now, and we'll get into this with Harden, is that this has become the mainstream. If you want to get to where you want to go, the easiest way to do it is to sign your extension and then demand a trade because now the team has no leverage anymore because they're paying you all this money. So they have to figure something out. They're not just going to pay you this money for nothing. So they try and get you to where you want to go. And you know that the most money you can make is if you sign with your current team. Now, the reason that rule was put into place was because the league didn't want the player movement and the players to just control wherever they go every couple of years. But it's kind of created the opposite effect where when you sign the extension, now it's kind of giving you the opportunity. Hey, I can go wherever I want. So Jalen Brown can sign the extension with Boston right now. And then that'll give him the opportunity to be like, okay, I'm one more year of this. And if we don't win, if it doesn't work out, I still don't like this. I'm going to request a trade and you're going to trade me somewhere else. James Harden, same thing. James Harden just opts into his contract. And when I first saw it, I was like, okay, James Harden is opting in. That's weird. He could have opted out and gotten a bigger contract. But no, if he opts into this contract at a big number, which is $33 million or something like that, now he has all the leverage. He has the control. Well, you're not going to want to pay me all this money for me to do nothing, and I want to be traded. And it's gotten to the point that it's not just guys on podcasts like you know Bill Simmons, who is a conspiracy theorist in a way, talking about this. This is on mainstream media. ESPN is talking about this is the best way to get what you want. I forget who it was. It might have been Woj or it might have been um, Windhorse, but it was one of the two, one of those two ESPN reporters who are pretty much mainstream ESPN basketball reporters um, they're not conspiracy theories. They're telling you this is the best way for players to get what they want is to opt in and sign a contract with their current team. That's how they have the most leverage to then move around. It seems awfully backward. But with James Harden, according to ESPN, that is the case. And speaking of ESPN, um, obviously the layoffs, the cuts, it's something that in this industry, as I learn more about the industry, probably something that's going to be on my mind, something that's part of my life. And so interesting to think about it from my perspective. I don't have to worry about it that right now. I'm not making that kind of money. If I ever get to that point that I'm one of the big name layoffs at ESPN, my career will have been successful. So um, it's hard to define success, but uh, I think if you're at that point, you're successful. And that doesn't mean it's not sad and terrible and awful for those people who lost their jobs, who all of a sudden got cut. Um, but it's definitely a big part of this industry, specifically at ESPN. Um, but one of them, Jeff Van Gundy, just doesn't make sense. Um, he is, you know, your ESPN, you want to have the best of everything, right? So you have Stephen A. Smith, this big name, right? Um, I'm not calling him the best, but he certainly thinks he is. Um, you have Buck and Aikman, right? You want to have the best football broadcast. So you have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. You had the number one basketball broadcast team with Mike Breen, who's the, undeniably the best, and obviously Jeff Van Gundy. Um, obviously Mark Jackson was part of that, but why would you get rid of that? Why? There's no reason to get rid of that. He's the best. It's not like an asset who's making a ton of money 
who is replaceable, not to name any names, Max Kellerman, I don't know, but <laughs> he's not that guy. He's a guy who's worth what you're paying him. Um, and then some, because he's actually the best at what he does. Uh, and it's just weird that he's out. I don't know if um, TNT will scoop him up and then that becomes, maybe they do the Van Gundy broadcast where they have him and his brother along with a play-by-play guy, whether it's Harlan or whoever they have over there. Um, or maybe Madison Square Garden, MSG Network. I don't know if there's some sort of severed relationship there with how things ended with him as a coach. Um, I know he's kind of wanted to get back into coaching at times and that wasn't an option. Um, you know, Houston at some point was rumored to be an option. That wasn't, that never happened. That never materialized. Um, but maybe as a broadcaster, pairing back, you know, it already works with Mike Breen, him and Mike Breen together. Why not him, Breen and Clyde build the, like the ultimate big three, kind of like Gary, Keith and Ron in baseball, right? What SNY does, uh, with the Mets booth with Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling. And what they do so well is that when Gary is there, um, but let's say Keith is not, it's Gary and Ron. So it still feels like the full team. Uh, when it's Gary and Keith, it still feels like this full team. Or maybe you have Steve Gelbs is doing the play by play, but you have both Keith and Ron there. So it feels like the full team. If you can manipulate that where you have Jeff Van Gundy, right? So now you have, you know, Jeff, Mike and Clyde, all three of them together for every game, but it's really only 20 games a year that you have all three of them. And then another 20 games, you have just Jeff with Mike or you have just Clyde with Mike but it feels like the full team is there and then sometimes you'll have Jeff and Clyde both there but Mike's gone um it'll be kind of interesting to see if they could do that back to James Harden though uh that's my little ESPN Sports Center update uh on the media inner talkings from somebody who's in the industry but knows nothing about the industry because I don't actually have any sources when it comes to things like that um I don't know just messing around but uh, James Harden, it's, again, it's enough with this guy. He asked out of Houston. He asked out of Brooklyn. Now he's asking out of Philly. It's like, what? First, he thought this was going to be huge. I'm going to go back to Houston. When he realized that wasn't happening for him, so now he wants something else. I'm not going to Houston anymore because uh, that obviously didn't work out for me. So now I'll just go to the Clippers. But it only has to be the Clippers. You're not trading me anywhere else. At some point, you lose the leverage. You're not the same guy you used to be. And you've asked out of how many teams now, how many situations now, at some point, you lose. That's it. It's over. Daryl Morey's a really good GM. He waited out on Ben Simmons and then ultimately got a good return for Ben Simmons, which you were a part of. Well, you think because you had two games, two really good games in the playoffs against Boston, all of a sudden, now Daryl Morey's going to give you away for peanuts because you're asking out? Like, I don't understand what the thinking behind it is for James Harden. I know he's not the guy he once was. Um... And if you're the Clippers, why would you give up a lot for him, right? What's the incentive to give up a lot for him when this is a guy who's clearly said, hey, I'm only going there and nowhere else. So they're kind of at a standstill. Same situation with another player in the NBA who we'll get to a little bit later. Um, They're not giving up Paul George. And why should they? So Daryl Morey's in a weird spot. Daryl Morey, who's a guy who's constantly been a James Harden guy, going back to Houston days, getting him to Philadelphia and making him a major part of this team, Um, And if I'm Joel Embiid, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't want to deal with this crap either anymore. And the big story is if they can't get a significant return, a significant return that's equal value, that includes a superstar for James Harden, does Joel Embiid then ask out? And that would be my biggest concern if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers. Because if Joel Embiid isn't happy anymore, wrap it up, it's over. 
send him away, figure it out, try and build around Tyrese Maxey. I don't know. But start this thing over. The process was a failure. The end. By the way, speaking of the process being a failure, um, I saw somebody say this. I think it was Doc Rivers, actually. The head coach, the actual head coach of the team said, you know, it was so hard because we had to... um, but we had to just change the losing mentality that this team has. You know, when you go from trying to lose constantly where it's winning doesn't matter. Oh, it's okay if you miss some games. Oh, it's okay if you don't hustle because we're not trying to win. To change the mindset to now, okay, we need to win. We need to win playoff games. How hard of a champion, all that stuff. It doesn't work that way. There's a human element. You can tank as many times as you want, but at some point it doesn't work anymore, right? It doesn't work to constantly have a loser mentality. There's a human aspect to sports is what I love about sports and having a loser mentality for so many years and building these players, having them start their career and blossom through losing, through a losing mentality. Eventually, guess what? All that losing, it makes you a loser. And when it's like, oh, hey, flip this switch. Now you have to start thinking about winning again. It doesn't work that way. And I've been saying that I've said this on this podcast before. And it's another one of those moments where I'm like, oh, my God, I was right because the actual head coach who granted he's a guy who's disgruntled after getting fired from that job. But the actual head coach of that team, Doc Rivers, uh, did say that on Bill Simmons podcast, which is I, I loved it. I loved hearing that, not because I wanted to root for them to be bad, just because I thought that that was my theory. And that kind of um, solidified and kind of solidified. Yeah, what I said. Um, it also doesn't help that you missed on so many of the draft picks, right? You think about Okafor and Michael Carter-Williams and all these guys that they missed on throughout that process. Mark L. Fultz, uh, if you're going to have a quote-unquote process where you have to rebuild, you have to hit on those draft picks, and you really only hit on one of them. You hit on Joel Embiid, and that's it. Ben Simmons, I'll give you that a little bit, but ultimately that didn't even work out either. Um, what else? So if Embiid asks out, this is where my Knicks come into it. One of the rumored teams, obviously, that would be in on him is the Knicks. And I think the Knicks have been smart, and they continue to be smart. They didn't want to overpay for Paul George. There was a rumor that you know that was on the table, and the trade offer that was out there just doesn't make sense. You're not going to overpay for these guys. Keep being patient. If there's a certain tax that the league has right now on you, as the New York Knicks prove that you're not going to fall for it. You're not past management. You're a different team now. James Dolan has proven that he's going to stay out of it and he's going to let them build um, this team the right way. And I love that. I love what Leon and Wes are doing. These guys are finally, I trust them. I trust the Knicks front office. When was the last time in my life, this is the only time in my life that I can remember that I actually trust the Knicks front office to do the right thing. So does that mean everything's going to be perfect? No. Does that mean everything's going to be ascension to the top? No. The Obi situ- Toppin situation sucks. Look, they drafted the guy because they thought Randall was going to be done after that year. He's going to be our new power forward. And then Randall comes back and has this crazy you know, all-star year where he's the most improved player. And you go to the playoffs, you're the number four seed. It changes everything. So should they have traded Obi Toppin right then and there? Probably. Um, but they were constantly trying to figure out how do we get the most out of Obi Toppin? How do we get the most in a trade for him? And I think the Knicks did what's smart. They traded him ultimately um, maybe a year too late, but they traded him for assets that are going to be moved further down the road probably for when the right guy does become available. It's not Paul George. Maybe it is Joel Embiid. Maybe it's Jalen Brown, who we talked about earlier on this episode. There always will be someone available and you just wait for that next guy for the perfect situation. 
Dante DiVincenzo, you plug him right in. He's a guy who's going to play defense. He's a three-shooter. He's a guy who can handle the ball. Something that the Knicks clearly missed, obviously, in the minutes. Well, Emmanuel quickly was hurt, but um, obviously in the minutes that uh, Brunson was off the floor, you needed a guy who could be a ball handler and a creator for the team, but also they clearly needed shooting. Um, Dante DiVincenzo will be that. And for OB, I'm happy for him. That team's going to be hella fun. Like I always have my teams that I circle as my league pass teams. I'm going to watch this team a lot. I'm going to watch Benedict Matherin and Obi Toppin and Tyrese Halliburton a lot this coming season. It sucks that I know as a Knicks fan, I'm supposed to hate the Pacers. Sue me. I don't know. I'm going to enjoy watching that team. And guess what? That young, talented squad might be better than the Knicks this coming year. I don't think so. But uh, they can be over the next few years. And you think back, the Knicks miss on that pick, right? They take Obi Toppin instead of Ty- Tyrese Halliburton. Now, I'm not upset, right? I think we have a superstar in Jalen Brunson, but so many things could have gone differently in that draft. Um, and it really stems from like kind of the development of Julius Randle into this star, but is he a star? And that's kind of an interesting situation that the Knicks find themselves in. I don't blame, I don't blame the management for that though. Um, all right, let's talk about the big story though. And the Knicks, this is the one thing they shouldn't do when you talk about the trades. They shouldn't trade for Damian Lillard. And that's been the big story of the offseason is Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard. Say it 17 more times, Damian Lillard, right? Um, First, the way it started was the rumors. He wants to be traded. If they sign Jeremy Grant, he won't want to be traded. He does want to be traded. He doesn't want to. Whatever the rumors were. Um, it's all stupid, right? It's just rumors. Nobody actually knew. Everyone's talking like they know Damian Lillard and what he actually wants. Did anyone actually know? Does anyone talk to him? He's a human being. And like, to me, it just felt so gross that every day there's a new, like another Twitter account with has, which has who knows how many followers. Um, I mean, somebody talked about this. Buster only put this out there about the Yankees trading for Shohei Otani, right? And I don't think that's going to happen, but it's what happens. You are a guy with a bunch of Twitter followers, and so you put it out there, um, and people start to run with it. And if uh, it gets enough retweets, then people think it's true. That happened with maybe 17 different rumors, all saying 17 contradicting things about Damian Lillard. And now we're in this situation where it feels like there's only one situation left. He's asked out of, of a trade after they did sign Jeremy Grant. We don't even know that he gave them that ultimatum that said, oh, if you sign him, I'll stay. Like, we don't know that that's true. They draft Scoot Henderson, who's obviously the replacement for him. Um, smart move, though. You don't draft for need. Uh, Charlotte Hornets drafted for need, and obviously I don't think they got the player who's as good. I personally believe in Brandon Miller, but what do I know? I haven't seen him play that much. Um, and so Scoot Henderson at number three overall might be the best pick in the draft. So uh, that's how I feel about Scoot and that situation with them. Um, but now it seems like the only obvious choice is to trade him to Miami. That's where he wants to go, according to the same rumors that apparently we're still believing. Um, and so you're going to trade him to Miami. And then what? Like Miami can't offer you that much. And unfortunately for Dame, he doesn't have a no trade clause. So technically you could trade him anywhere. And if I'm the, if, right, if I am Portland, I'm going to try and get whatever I can out of him. And I'm also going to be looking towards the future. I'm going to be looking at this as, hey, what can I get out of this guy? And how can it make my future point guard, my franchise guy right now who's Scoot Anderson, how can that make him better? Because that should be how you're thinking. We're trading for the future. We're trading the old guy. He's out and we have a new guy coming in. And this is what's going to be special about this team. And it's important to think that way. Um, And unfortunately for Damian Lillard, that means... 
waiting now to see what happens. Maybe not getting traded to the team you want to be traded to because Miami, you could want them all you want, right? I saw this. Miami, all their uh, kind of role players left. Guess what? Miami's role players are going to get paid elsewhere and they're never going to be as good as they were in Miami. And Miami's going to find new role players who are going to be better than those guys even more. And they're going to pay them nothing because it has nothing to do with the actual guys. And then those guys are going to leave and go somewhere else and not be as good because it has to do with the system and Spolstra and finding the right talent and finding the right mentality and how they use them. It has nothing to do with the guys themselves. And I'm happy for the guys that got paid. They, they earned it. They deserve it. Um, and ultimately, you know, that's all you want for these guys is to ultimately get to the point that they will get paid because they are really talented and they're good players and they're good at basketball. Um, and they worked hard from undrafted or low draft picks to get to this point in their careers. Good job by them. Like kudos to them. Uh, but they don't really need those players to be successful. It's about a system. It's about team. It's about playing together. So when you look at that, if you're Miami, you could trade anyone for Damian Lillard. But if you're Portland, it's like, wait, no, I'm losing out here. I have this player who people want. Like, there's no value for him just because he wants to go to you guys. No, screw that. I'll trade him somewhere else. I, I don't care. And they've already said they're willing to be patient. Right now, like the only asset that I think that makes sense for Portland is give me Bam Adebayo. Give me a big guy. I've seen Scoot run the pick and roll in summer league. He's really good at it. Let's put him with this big guy who's going to be awesome in the middle and play the pick and roll game with Scoot Henderson and Bam Adebayo. I love that. And maybe a shooter throw. You want to throw Duncan Robinson in another guy who can shoot around him. I don't want another guard. Why do I? Why would I want Tyler Hero? Why would I want another guy who's going to play the same exact position? I'm getting rid of a guard so that I can play more minutes for Scoot, right? I'm getting rid of Dame Lillard so that Scoot can develop. So why would I bring another guard in who's just going to do the same thing and clog the same spot? That doesn't make any sense um, if I'm the Portland Trailblazers. Now, they're willing to be patient, and I don't think Dame's a bad guy. So Dame, I don't think you have to worry about him turning into James Harden where he's going to be sabotaging the team and getting fat and trying to ruin things for you. So that's one of the things where Dame being a good guy could actually hurt his uh, trade case in this scenario um, and what could end up happening for Damian Lillard um, is he ends up sitting and waiting a while till something a better offer comes around and if that means that him and Scoot are playing together that might be what happens in the immediate future ultimately I think if I had to predict what ends up happening um, I think Portland end up ends up getting I think they bring in Brooklyn or something like that I think Brooklyn where they get um, Dorian Finney-Smith, who's kind of a slasher slash big man four type player, Claxton, who's a real center, true center, um, and Duncan Robinson, who's a bigger guy, not a, not a guard, but a shooter. And they get some picks from Miami or maybe a pick from Miami. Brooklyn gets a Miami pick of sorts also, and they get Tyler Hero, and Miami gets Dame Lillard. If I had to guess, it looks something like that. Um, you know, something to that sort. And then Miami probably has to take the Nurkic contract also off of Portland's hand, something like that. That's what I would uh, guess if I had to guess what's going to happen with this trade, but it's hard to know. Like the predictions are weird and it's been a weird story and we'll see how it develops. Now, another story in the NBA, we'll close out the NBA storylines. Um, I do have some NFL talk that I'll save for a later episode. Um, we'll do some career talk as well, but let's get into the in season tournament. Um, Here's the thing with the in-season tournament. Everyone at first is averse to change, right? People don't love change. Um, and the other thing about it is it's hard to get people to care about something at first, right? You're like, 
oh, this is meaningless. It's new. Think about how the kind of older generation, maybe people in their 40s and above, think about uh, the World Baseball Classic versus people who grew up with it in their teens and 20s and have seen it be so successful the last few seasons. Um, it's the same thing with anything, right? When you figure out something new, I'm sure when they came up with the Super Bowl in the 1950s or whatever it was, and when they came up with the NBA title, it was like, ah, you think this is going to mean anything to us? This means nothing. It's just a stupid trophy. Yeah, but now years later, over time, it takes on this meaningfulness and people are like, oh my God, the Super Bowl. (gasps) So this in-season tournament, Will it have to be tweaked? Will it have to be improved and worked on? For sure. It's. I don't think that this iteration of it, this first version of it, is going to be the final version, and that's what's going to be forever. Uh, it would be crazy to think that. I don't think that's true. But at the same time, to think that it can't be successful, that it won't be something that becomes kind of a mainstream, like, oh, wow, this is a major part of this. Look, they took it from soccer. That's That's where they got the idea from. And the idea is in soccer, right? In middle of the year, it's an international league. So... It's teams from all these different countries. All of a sudden, in the middle of the season, the top teams go ahead and play each other head-to-head um, in some sort of tournament. It happens with basketball also in the European League, I know, where you play kind of like in your conferences. Like um, I know from being in Israel. In Israel, there was like in is- the Israeli League, and then the best teams from the Israeli League played also in the European League. So like you'd have games against both, and it kind of counts differently towards your standings and all those different things. So you could win the NBA or the... Israeli league championship, but you're not even the best team in the Israeli league. So you're not even a part of the European league tournament. That's also going on at the same time. Um, where like once every two weeks you go play a Euro league game, something like that. I'm not sure exactly how it works. I don't remember. Um, but it's going to be something that is tinkered with. And the point of it is to kind of get eyeballs on the regular season. I told you what the top, uh, I kind of started the podcast with this, the top seasons are in the NBA and the regular season is probably the worst of them, right? When you talk about the drama of the off season, obviously the NBA playoffs and finals are fun and they have been fun and they were fun this year again. Um, so I, that, that's going to take precedent over the regular season where a lot of times, especially early in the season, December, people are falling asleep and not really watching until you get to Christmas time. And that's kind of when the NBA season starts for a lot of people. So to get some more eyeballs on that, they're making an in-season tournament. They're trying, they're tinkering with this kind of idea of a um a remote location championship game which a lot of sports teams and leagues are trying to do we saw the nfl try and kind of force that on uh the league last year with obviously with the demar hamlin situation if there was going to be a neutral site afc championship game if the bills got there um ultimately they didn't get there but you know the nfl wanted to try some of that MLB every team's trying to do some of that because it's just revenue for different cities and different teams it sucks out I, I think a home Super Bowl would be super cool right if there was a Super Bowl in a home city that would be super awesome but obviously um, that would never ever happen uh, it just couldn't happen because there's too much money lost by the NFL and the same thing happens obviously uh, in basketball now there it would will there be a neutral site NBA finals I wouldn't be shocked to see it it would suck. Like think about the Ray Allen shot in a neutral site. Like that tense crowd in Miami within the immediate eruption when he hits that three, like it's crazy, right? Um, whereas you wouldn't have that on a neutral site. You wouldn't have any of those plays where, you know, LeBron James blocks a shot and this crowd goes silent. Kyrie Irving hits a three and the crowd goes silent. Like you don't have those kind of moments, obviously, if it's a neutral site. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of the whole neutral site thing in general. We're so used to it with the Super Bowl that doesn't get brought up a lot. Uh, but the NBA, obviously, especially a city like Vegas, is going to tinker with that idea. Now, 
I do think there's a potential here where no one really cares if you're a fan if the players win some extra money. It's just get, trying to get players to play more games and to take it more seriously, which, you know, the league is forever trying to struggle with that. They'll just take off games at different times that matter less. Like, I, I don't know if these players are really going to take it so much more seriously. Uh, the regular season as a whole, that is, even if they take the tournament more seriously. Uh, so for a few games, you have the league taking it more seriously. I guess it's better than nothing. Um, but if you incentivize the teams and the fans to care about it, i.e., I don't know, the team that wins the in-season tournament can be no lower than a six seed. They cannot be a playing team anymore. They automatically have a top six seed in their conference because they made it to the in-season tournament championship. So one team from each conference. And now all of a sudden that limits the playoff spots for the rest of the teams and they have to try harder for the regular season to try and make it. Um, or it guarantees a team a lottery spot where like, okay, you won the in-season tournament or you are, you know, you're, uh, you, you two teams made it to the finals of the in-season tournament. You guys are automatically in the lottery. Now there's 16 teams in the lottery instead of 14. Now what could happen then is let's say you're Denver. You're like, hey, let's take this seriously for a week and a half. We'll win this thing easily because we're the best team in the league and it's a single game of elimination. We'll win this thing and then we could still have a shot at the first overall pick, even though we're by far the best team in the league. So there'd have to be some provisions there where like if you make it to the actual NBA finals, you don't get it. You get kicked back out of the lottery. I don't know, something like that. Um, but adding lottery picks, adding um, some sort of or just an extra draft pick at the end of the first round. Hey, you get an extra draft pick here uh, or some sort of playoff guarantee if you win this. Maybe that can make the fans care about it a little bit more, not just the players for their money, um, and make it kind of worth the rest of the season um, at the same time. Um, so that's that as far as the in-season tournament. I do think people will get used to it and ultimately grow to like it because that's how everything works. Um, at the beginning, you're kind of like, eh, even think about the playing tournament, right? Like people are like, eh, and now you're like, oh, wow, the playing's good. And you've seen a team like Miami go for the playing, losing a playing game, almost losing a second playing game and riding it all the way to the finals. Uh, so if you want to avoid tanking in the league, right, this is perfect for it. I think baseball kind of added playoff teams to the same thing. You see how many teams are still in it and trying to go for it. Now, I think baseball kind of messed up a little bit because they didn't change the trade deadline. So the trade deadline is going to be way too early. There aren't enough teams that are out of it completely yet. Like the Yankees should be sellers because they're in last place in their division and they're out of a playoff spot now, but they still feel like they have a shot. So they're going to try and be buyers who then is going to be sellers. Anyway, more baseball talk. Um, Last couple of storylines in the NBA, kind of the Bulls, it's sad with Lonzo Ball, but they've kind of cemented themselves in no man land by giving a contract to uh, Vucevic, what is Nikola Vucevic or whatever his name is. Um, but yeah, it's a sad situation, but they're just like, they're in no man's land. They're trying to figure out where they are and it seems like they're not getting better or worse. Uh, Zach Levine ultimately traded is uh DeMar DeRozan traded that could be something that happens in season uh if they continue to just kind of be this middling to average team and with other teams around them in the in, in the Eastern Conference game better I don't look think they kind of look at themselves and probably think wow we were so close we could have if we beat Miami maybe we're the team that goes on the run in the play from the play-in tournament instead of Miami maybe they see it that way um but it's hard to imagine they do because they're not as good as Miami um and there's other teams that are getting better uh so that'll be interesting and LeBron James at the ESPYs. I love the ESPYs. I always have loved the ESPYs. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch live this year. It was the day I got back from vacation, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I love the ESPYs, but LeBron James decided to hijack the ESPYs for like 15 minutes where he's like, 
hey, you know, I'm the GOAT. And lucky for you guys, you get to keep watching me play. After seven minutes of him talking about his own greatness and how great he is, because everybody loves that. Who doesn't want to hear somebody talk about how amazing they themselves are for 15 minutes? Then he announces, I'm coming back. <laughs> you guys thought I was leaving, but I'm lucky for you guys, I'm coming back. It's like, nobody ever thought you were retiring, LeBron. I saw Big Cat put something funny out there. It was like, I too am not retiring this year. <laughs> it's like, right, because nobody thought you were going to retire. Um, but typical LeBron, I think like it's something interesting that Ben Affleck said um, on a podcast that I listened to recently with him and Matt Damon. And he was talking about how at some point you stop growing like LeBron James from the time he was 16 years old. He never developed. He never matured. He doesn't see reality the way the rest of us do. He hasn't lived in reality. So he, why would he have a normal vision of himself? He has people around him who are going to constantly tell him that everything he's doing is great and everything he's doing is awesome because they want a piece of the pie. Whatever motivations they have, selfish motivations they have to tell him that they think he's awesome. Um, so what Ben Affleck was saying, like it's really hard to grow as a person, to continue to develop as a human being when you're famous at 20 years old, like him and Matt Damon were together. And sometimes you have to go through the trials and tribulations that Ben Affleck has gone through in his career, the ups and downs in life to kind of have growth that regular people have in a day-to-day -day basis because they're not superstars. They're not surrounded by people who are constantly blowing smoke up their ass like LeBron James is. And so LeBron James, maybe he thinks this is coming off good, but he's got to have a PR person or someone who's like, dude, you're so corny. This is coming off so inauthentic, so fake, so phony. No one ever thought you were retiring, but clearly he doesn't have that. And why would he have that? Because why would anyone stand up to LeBron and say that to him? Um, and risk their own careers and their own jobs and their own money and their own status uh, for that. So it's just a weird situation. But, I mean, get a clue, LeBron. Um, and it's kind of interesting because um, you can't deny LeBron's greatness. But this is what I always say with him. He ruins it by doing things like that. But he's just he can't help it. He's just clueless, like I said. Um, and I think uh, Colin Cowherd was interesting, like was like calling him out, which is, you know, Colin is right. That's Collins right about that. Everything he said, he said, le cringe, I think what he called him. Um, and the last thing is Diane Williamson was on a podcast and he's like, you know, as a 20 year old with access to all these things, I'm a millionaire, 20 year old. It's kind of funny to finally hear an athlete actually say it straight up. Like I'm an athlete who's a millionaire at a 19 year old and superstar famous. So I'm going to, you know, bang strippers and eat a ton of food and get fat. Like, he actually said that on a podcast and he's like, but now I'm starting to take my life more seriously. I'm, I'm starting to take things now that I'm 22, you know, I'm going to kind of try and pull back, you know, maybe only date high rate porn stars and not low rate and, you know, bang two huggers a week instead of three or four and try and, you know, eat less mac and cheese on a daily basis, maybe like one bowl of mac and cheese per day. Um, so it was interesting to hear him say that on a podcast. It's just weird. Um, so that's the NBA storylines. I told you there's lots of drama. Hashtag this league. Um, with the NBA. Now, I told you I wanted to tell you about um, uh, what I've been doing. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, football on the next episode because I do have a lot of football points to get to. Obviously, there was the stuff with the running backs this week and the franchise tag and all that. Um, there's also the Jets are going to be on hard knocks. That's a big storyline that people have been talking about. And we'll get there. We'll talk about it on another podcast, another episode, uh, later episode 158. Look forward to that. Um, but my career stuff, why I've been kind of in a hiatus and not been so available so much uh, and we'll probably do episode 158 next week as i'm going away again again this weekend um so next week we'll do episode 158 
like I said, it's going to be lighter in the summer because I can't really talk about baseball. Think about it. I can't talk about baseball. I can't wait for football. That's going to be awesome. That's we're going to go back to three episodes a week. It's going to be full time, full blow. We'll we'll do an NFL preview. We'll do a power rankings, all those things that we do during the football season. But with baseball, if you don't um, see my baseball content, well, you can follow me on Twitter and you can see what my thoughts are. Despite you can't hear me say them, but you can see what my thoughts are there uh, at Rami. I think it's at Rami underscore. La Vie on Twitter. Let me double check that for you so that you can get your baseball fix and see what I think about the Yankees because I have a lot of thoughts and I've been sharing them. Um, it's yeah, at Rami, R-A-M-I, my first name, underscore L-A-V-I, my last name. Uh, no space, no capital, obviously. Um, that is my Twitter handle. And if you look through my feed, it's been a lot of Yankee stuff. Somebody said you're like Frank the Tank for the Yankees now. Uh, I've been a little bit negative um, kind of about how they've been and there's not much to be positive about. Uh, so that's my baseball talk. Um, you'll hear that. You will read that. Also, I have been producing videos for, um, this is one of the things I've been busy with, with for, um, Keith McPherson on the fan. So I've been making all the social content. So I've been kind of clipping up things that he says where you take like a 15 minute clip and turn it into a 90 second clip. And it, it's kind of sounds like it flows, even though it's something that he said over the course of 15 minutes, that's kind of, you know, my input in my interpretation of his Yankee takes, um, so that's kind of me also. I've been posting those on my Instagram story. That's I think that's Rami.Lavi, R-A-M-I, and then a period, L-A-V-I, on Instagram to see all of that content. Of course, we're always pumping out content on the Rami Lavi podcast page as well. Um, so follow, follow me, find me in all those locations. And look, I've been busy. It's been super cool. I started training in on WFAN kind of right after I did that podcast. Uh, I worked two weeks of the overnight working with Sal Licata, which was super cool. It was kind of interesting where like it was his last overnight. He was finishing up because it was after obviously the announcement that Craig was leaving. Um, and which was what really prompted me to do that podcast. And so it's like two weeks of where everyone's just calling in and be like, Sal, we're going to miss you. This show has been so fun the last three years, you know, the overnight. And I'm sitting there like, I'm the new guy. I don't even know what's going on. And I'm trying to chime into the show, of course. But I had a good time with him. We played Immaculate Grid a lot uh, during the overnight. Sal was an awesome guy, awesome host, really good at his job, really talented, really fun to work with. And I'm excited for his show with Brandon Tierney in the midday. Speaking of which, I finished those two weeks of the overnights and I'm thinking, okay, that's it. I'll probably won't be at the fan for a while. And then immediately like, hey, we need someone to fill in on the, the midday show for the next couple of days. Rami, you in? And I'm like, of course I'm in the midday show with Tiki Barber, you know, the greatest Giants running back of all time, possibly. Um, and I got to work with him and Brandon Tierney for a couple of days. That was super fun working in a daytime shift. Like when the, the building is hustle and bustle and everyone's there, um, you know, seeing Boomer there in the morning. And then, you know, obviously the afternoon guys were there it was Joe and Evan, uh, because Craig was already out once I started, uh, doing the midday, but just being there, being a part of it and knowing like, Hey, I'm one of the people in this building. So that's kind of where I've been. And, you know, I had shifts where I was work six, eight hours straight at WFAN, go take a nap in my car for 40 minutes and then drive to MLB and work eight hours. So if you're wondering why I'm not doing, you know, not recording a podcast, that's kind of part of it. So the hustle, the grind doesn't stop. Like that's kind of part of it. And I understand that aspect of it. And, you know, I'm always looking for the next thing. And so uh, I've had some super cool opportunities. Tiki Barber, let me tell you, that's a world-class guy. Like, to the point where, you know, some people you work with them for two, three days and you produce their show and it's like they never met you the next time they see you in the hallway. And I, what I've experienced with certain guys is it just, it doesn't change, you know, it doesn't mean he's my best friend now, but it just, it, it 
there's something significant about, you know, the next day, the next time he sees me, he's like, Hey, Rami, what's going on? How you doing? Like, it just makes you feel like a better human being just by being around them. Um, and Tiki's one of those guys. I really think him and Evan in the afternoon are going to kill it. I found myself listening to Evan Roberts and Joe Beningo every day. Now that Craig's gone, even though Craig's gone, I listen to Evan Roberts because of Craig. Uh, but I, I found myself listening to Evan because I've grown to like his him so much. And I think him and Tiki are going to be awesome in the afternoon. I, I do think BT and Sal will be great. But um, just like now I have this personal relationship uh, with Tiki and obviously with Evan, I've had for a little bit longer. And that's just cool. Um, it's kind of funny. I had a vacation. So I had two days off for the MLB All-Star break. And it's so cool that like my vacation is because there's a break in the baseball season. That's kind of what happens when you work for baseball. And, you know, the baseball job's been fun as well. Obviously can't complain working in baseball. Um, it's been cool. Like I sit and watch baseball games and get paid to watch baseball games every day. Is it ultimately my goal in that building? No, I'm always, like I said, looking for the next thing. Um, but it's been cool to work at major league baseball as well. I did go to Nantucket for two days. Um, that's what I did when I had the all-star break and that was super awesome. Check out all those videos on my Instagram as well. Uh, had a pretty fun time over there. I did see someone that was in the media. I, I don't know who it was. There was somebody in sports media who I recognized and I just couldn't put a name to it. And I, I wanted to go over and say something, but I was like, I know I know that person. I'm supposed to know that person, but I don't know who it is. So I didn't go over and say anything. Didn't want to bother him on vacation anyway. It seemed like he was with uh, his wife and kids and family and whatever. So, um, I do miss Craig Carton. I don't like his TV show at all. I'll say that right away. Um, it's been tough. You know, I, I like listening to him every day. It's just a unique perspective on sports. And uh, I hope I can bring that. I hope I can st- I try and train my brain to think, how can I bring something that's different to the table? Um, that's what I'm constantly thinking about. And I hope people listening to it enjoy it. So if you do listen and you do enjoy, please let me know. It means a ton to me when I hear the feedback from people, positive, negative, whatever it is. I just want to hear feedback and know that people are listening. Uh, And until next time, I appreciate you all for listening. Until then, see ya. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Change it all, oh, oh, oh. always on my Birds flying on the highline With sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be 
I'm still here. 